0: Welcome to Let's Talk Robotics. I'm your host, Nikki Rousseau, and it's my pleasure to introduce you to the robotics community in Australia. Today, I have a very special guest, Kate Dunn. Kate is a mechatronics engineer who is interested in robotics and automation. She values safety, accountability, and teamwork. She's proficient with Python, C, and PLC programming. Kate, welcome and thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, hey, Nikki. Thanks for the opportunity to be here. It's a great pleasure having you here. I met you at the Chief of Army Symposium 2023 in Perth. Uh, was it? It feels like ages ago, but it's not. <laughs> it's probably just about a month ago. Yeah, and, time flies. Um, I know. And I just knew that you had to come on the podcast uh, to tell us a little bit about your journey. and. Why did you choose engineering and specifically mechatronics as a career?
1: Yeah, oh, I probably always had the right sort of mindset growing up, like my parents knew from a young age, watching me play with Lego and train tracks and make the most optimal route and pick up all the little toys along the way. But it would have been when I, in grade seven, I was representing my school at a maths competition. Uh, dorky, I know. And we got thrashed by the way absolutely obliterated i'm sitting there at half time being a bit down in the dumps being like oh maybe i'm not that good at math after all and they had this guest speaker who was an electrical engineer and for the life of me i don't know his name i wish i remembered so i could go thank him but he talked about how he used maths in his job And that was the first time I'd heard of engineering, didn't know what it was prior, still didn't know what it was at the time. But I was like, well, even if I'm not great at math, I do enjoy doing it. And this guy does it. So I should go do that. (laughs) And that was how I was like, I'm going to be an engineer at the the ripe, you know, young age of 10 or something. And I just kept that up during school. I was like, I'm going to be an engineer. And all the teachers are like, yeah, you go, girl. Still didn't know what it really was. I didn't know any engineers to like talk to beforehand before starting uni, but I was like, math sounds cool. Planes sound cool. Um, I'd heard that UQ had this hypersonics program and I was like, I'm going to go to UQ and be a mech and aero engineer. And I get there and I find out mechanical really sucks and I'm bad at it. <laughs> It's <laughs> so bad <laughs> but I did coding for the first time and I was like wow this is pretty neat I enjoy this so I sort of reevaluated the plan I was like I'll keep doing engineering but I'll do mechatronics and that's sort of how I ended up with that I guess pathway because I had already done like the background subjects for mech and I was like I don't want to throw those out and start again so mechatronics um, Unfortunately, fortunately, along the way, I did some control systems courses and absolutely fell in love with those. They, they were just beautiful courses, uh, which really solidified, yes, mechatronics is for me. And now that I'm a robotics engineer, I sort of get to, you know, do the coding, but also get out in the workshop a bit and actually see my robot move. I find that a lot more satisfying than just like a straight software role. Um, that's sort of a long-winded answer <laughs> to
0: mechatronics. Well, I love your story because in a way, you know, it's become a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, you could have just as well said you're going to be a doctor and gone, you know, gone off and being a doctor. I think what your brain accepts as the truth is something, it doesn't matter the how or the the shenanigans of getting there. It's just that, you know, this is what you're going to do and you've done it you know often you speak to kids Um, you know I, I chat to a lot of kids in the course of my work and I ask them you know what are you going to do and some have got absolutely no idea mm. some from a ripe age just you know like 10 um, go well this is what I'm going to do and regardless you know I think it's important to anchor yourself to something you can always mm. change but at least you are striving towards something and that's actually very important and it from even the age of 10, as you've said, you, you're you not young. There's no too young to be actually connecting to something and going, well, this is what I think I want to do. Mm. And if three years later you go, well, I've now investigated and I've changed my mind, that's fine. You can do that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Having that goal and something to like walk towards even if I didn't really know what it was was so helpful and like I looked at my sisters and they didn't know what they were doing and they had to you know do a bit of soul searching and find that out so much easier just Walking towards something yeah Uh, that's
0: it it. like this is what i'm doing you know you can change but it is because it sets a course of something and it human beings need boundaries as far as i'm concerned everyone needs Mm. a framework and how they operate and what they work because it gives you security and it gives you the freedom to stop worrying about things because you know (laughs) what your framework is and you know what honestly otherwise it's a bit like you know mark zuckerberg and all these highfalutin people that they wear the same clothes every day because it takes the decision making Mm. out of it like they don't have to wonder what they're doing they just go to their wardrobe take out the outfit and off they go and there's someone else very famous that said once i've made a decision i completely forget about it because i've made the the decision and i've committed to it and Mm. i I think a lot of you know my, my kids i look at them and if you sort of fall between, you know, should I do this or should I do that? My advice always is just make a decision, just go with it for a week, and if it doesn't work, you know, obviously a week is within, you know, relativity of how important the decision mm-hmm. is that you're making. But at least then you've committed to something.
1: Yeah, definitely, and just having that purpose and direction, uh, it's really helpful in just getting out of the bed in the morning. I have a greater goal that I'm going to achieve one day really sort of motivates you and and fills you with confidence that yeah you're going to do that
0: yeah so how many women students were in the course with you
1: (laughs) oh it sort of varied a bit depending on what flavor of engineering you were doing at uq some of the some of them like civil chemical mechanical Uh, it was almost 50 50 boys girls which is pretty incredible that is Um, you get to mechatronics there were 80 in my cohort and five of them were girls okay so not not wonderful stats but like I wasn't the only one which was pretty great
0: yeah and did um did the girls finish the course and are they working in in uh, robotics now
1: yeah uh all of them I know finished their course and were they're not all working in robotics we've gone on to do different things but probably on on the percentage wise we're a bit more successful than the guys uh and i think that's because we've had to work a bit harder to get to where we are so we're a little more bit more determined and don't want to just throw it away
0: yeah that's an interesting observation and stats and can i ask did it affect you in any way Did, did it worry you that you were only five females
1: um it didn't worry me really at uni like I, find, I found all the guys at uni were pretty supportive uh, and on board. It's sort of since that I've gotten out into industry where I'm running up against some of those older, more outdated opinions and just the logistics of being a girl in a male dominated field. Like uni always has both gender bathrooms. Those bathrooms have sanitary bins. You know, you can go find clothes that'll fit you for when you're going into the workshop. But when you get out to industry, you don't necessarily have those things that the guys are just taking for granted. And that can be really difficult to navigate and they don't even understand that you're trying to balance these challenges. So it can be a bit tricky at times, yeah. That's,
0: wow, like I'm sitting here thinking if this is just something in the um, part of your workday that you have to sort of think about that you're going Hmm. into a bathroom that may be both sexes, but obviously as females, we've got other things that we need to consider. How do you navigate that?
1: my workplace has been pretty good luckily when you're out on site and you don't necessarily have those things it's honestly just like a lot of floor planning yeah (laughs) and just making sure like all right i've got to go to the specialty shop and find uh safety gear that'll fit me whereas the guys can just grab theirs off the shelf and it's a lot of providing for yourself and, I guess, trying to make your needs known uh, yeah, and finding ways to meet them and also, like, work within, uh, still achieve whatever you've got to be doing out on site, essentially.
0: So to all our employers out there listening to this podcast today, if you haven't thought of these things, maybe today is the cue for you to start thinking about these things for uh, women that you're employing. So please, and thank you. <laughs> so speaking of which, yesterday you were a guest on our webinar uh, on field robotics, which um, is available on our website for people to go and have a look at. Congratulations. You did a really good <laughs> presentation on your work at Universal Field Robotics. So tell us a little bit about the company.
1: Oh, Thanks, Nikki. Oh, UFR is great. <laughs> great to work at. It's so much fun. UFR stands for Universal Field Robots, as you said. And we make robots that, yeah, live and work outdoors. And they are, you know, bound into one industry or one purpose. Uh, if it's outdoors, we'll do it. And I guess our differentiator is our UFR autonomy stack. It's this, it's this set of software and hardware that we've built up across the eight years we've been a company. And we can use that to automate any machine, like a toaster will do it, uh, a bobcat will do it. But the great thing about that is you have a client come to you with a new job and 80% of the work's already done before they even walk through that door. So each project would not only we're cutting down dev time by having this existing solution that we can, you know, mold into your problem, but each time we get to add something new to that stack. Like, uh, for example, the project I'm working on, we are spearheading the use of behavior trees as our mission control instead of like a more traditional state machine and that's you know sort of rippled through the company and now we have two other projects on the go that have adopted that technology so we're able to like innovate really quickly and update what we're doing and sometimes we even like backport that to existing like finished products so that's like i don't know really interesting and fun but the, the company itself is also really great to work at. I love my job. I get out of bed every morning. I get to go to work. I see my awesome, awesome co-workers. We're quite quite a young team. Like if Australia is, you know, rode the sheeps back to success, I'd say UFR's, you know, ridden the undergrads back to success. Yeah, We have a lot of people come through as students and then, you know, stay on with the company. And that's because... It's a fun place to work at. You actually get to do stuff as an undergrad or, you know, a grad, you're not pushing paper. You're not doing PowerPoints or death by Excel. You're, you know, on the hardware or on the software, whatever you prefer to be doing, we will try and make that work for you. And it's really great to be, to be respected as an engineer. Like I mentioned behavior trees before. I've been with the company for less than a year, and I'm sort of the behavior tree expert now. People come to me with questions, and it's really great to to have your knowledge recognized and sort of be held up by the company. So that that's really really cool. Yeah, that that's what it's like working at UFR. It's pretty. Every day is a little bit different and a lot of fun. Well,
0: congratulations for being the expert, because no doubt you've worked, you've really working for it to be
1: recognized as such.
0: So I don't uh, think things just falling into your lap.
1: Mm. yeah well I was I was given the opportunity at the you know when I very started to be go investigate this thing and I guess I was able to prove its use uh, in my project and yeah it's been adopted by others so that's pretty great
0: so where's the company based and tell us what do you have a typical day
1: and what does it look like so we're based out at Eagle Farm in Brisbane Australia we have our test site at Hamilton just a few minutes down the road from us but you know, we'll do projects all across Australia. So we'll have, we've got some people going over to Perth right now. Uh, so busy, busy. My typical day, my boss, Reese, is very good at like shielding me from the corporate drudgery that comes along with the defense project. And that frees me up to just do what I love and that's engineering. So we, we have an agile method of working. So every morning we'll get together and have a little stand up, say, this is what I'm doing for today. If I need, you know, these are the blockers. Um, if I need help, um, have you guys got ideas on this problem that I'm facing? And then we'll go away and just do what we want, essentially. Like, we have this list of tasks that we need to get through in, I don't know, the month of July. And you just get to pick one and work on it. And it's really, um, it's really great just Doing having having the freedom to go away and do that, but also the support from Reese and the rest of the teammates that when I get stuck, people are very happy to drop what they're doing and you know help. Like there's a lot of time we spend in the software office just chatting about problems and giving solutions. And you'll ask the person next to you, and then the person across the way pipes up with a suggestion, then somebody else chimes in. So it's a very collaborative process. And you learn a lot that way, which is pretty great. But I think that I think that's the value of actually going
0: back to work instead of working from home. Mm. Um, and I mean, as a roboticist, probably you guys are more out. You, you are there anyway. But yeah. I think that's what's missing from you know the COVID post COVID is people just standing and talking at the literally at the water cooler, mentioning yeah. their problems. This collective knowledge that people informally share with each other that is so valuable.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. I know that when I'm working from home, um, I'm less likely to reach out for help. I'm sort of going to hit my head against the wall a little bit more. But in the office, it's so easy. You know, my boss is right next to me and they're very happy to help. But also, yeah, as roboticists, we do need to be in the office a bit because we're often working with flash on hardware. (laughs) and It's hard to do that.
0: No, definitely. But I mean, even, you know, just broader speaking, I think for companies, and for workers there is actually a reason people want people back in the office Mm. and I know it's very inconvenient and I have the (laughs) the luxury of working from my home is my office so I do feel for people but I do think we we losing stuff the collective Mm. knowledge that's just in you know that you don't even know that it's been passed
1: on to you but you're getting it yeah and the social aspect too like i really enjoyed seeing people and chatting with yeah. them and if i'm at home i'm not doing that like i might turn into a shut-in and it's sad yeah it, it does get a little
0: bit isolating does it
1: thanks <laughs> my podcast i
0: love chatting to people just, <laughs> this actually started in COVID, and it was a great really? outlet for me so now, oh that's awesome yeah i mentioned the panel discussion yesterday and uh, this was the first one and speaking of much more because there were three men there and obviously in different stages of their careers, very experienced. And first up, congratulations on your excellent presentation that you did there. I I know this was a little bit scary for you. And and my question around this is for other people being invited to do things that are a little Mm. bit out of their comfort zone. Like, have you got any advice for them?
1: My advice is say yes, ask for help because you're going to get presented with opportunities that you might not think you're capable for or up for but that person has like suggested that opportunity to you for a reason like they they think that you're capable of doing this so that, you know have a little bit bit of belief in yourself but if you do need assistance, you know, find it. There's people inside your company and in your life in general who are, who are, have got your back. Like they're waving your flag and they're supporting you. For example, this, this panel I was on yesterday, it was about, you know, the business side of robotics and how being in Australia has sort of like helped your company grow. I was like, gee whiz, I don't know anything about management or running a business. What can I add to this add to this conversation but I was able to go to our sales guy Dush and he you know helped me sort of explain to me that business side of our of how the business runs and how being able to pick his brains for knowledge I was able to put together a, a, a presentation and I hopefully I don't know Nikki said it went well, so it went well. It was great. And I
0: think um, you know what you've gained from this, besides us, of course, listening to your excellent mm. presentation, was you've got a better understanding of your company and how it yeah. actually works and puts you know, flows together.
1: Yeah. And it's it's really cool. Like you don't know what you're missing out on, really. When you say no to an opportunity, you might never get that again. I find I regret the things I don't. Do you know as yeah you can be like oh i stuffed up and i said legitimacy wrong on the panel yesterday and it was really awkward but imagine if i you know what i gained from that panel and what i you know potentially didn't you know didn't do well this one definitely outweighs the latter by miles Man,
0: Kat, you were fantastic because I, <laughs> I, I had to have a good smile because you, I, I know what you're talking about. I remember the word. Um, and I'm not even going to try and pronounce it because right I'm probably going to have the same issue. And that it was, it was so nice. It's just you're so, your, your openness and saying, gosh, that's a difficult word, and then off you went again. <laughs> you didn't even blink.
1: So I think you've got this. <laughs> oh, cheers. I, I find it's good to... Um acknowledge your mistakes because everybody makes them really and if you're trying to make them in isolation you're not you're not going to grow the way you can if you're asking for help and getting feedback from people really so
0: I I concur with you here and again I refer Mm -hmm. to my kids because you know like I'm I am the the all the font of knowledge for them I hope they're not listening to this podcast I know they're not so I can say whatever I like Um, you know because I say to them you know they're so worried about what people think and I say to them just relax no one's thinking about you because they're thinking about themselves because yeah. they're so worried about oh I think I've done something wrong here so I always and I you know I'm much older than you and in my journey but I have the same things that I think oh my goodness you know someone's going to think okay I don't worry about it like whatever i think they've forgotten about it anyway Mm. because you know they're busy with their own stuff
1: yeah they're busy worrying about the the word they messed up and so on and so forth
0: (laughs) so we can just forget it (laughs) now tell me um We've touched on, you know, women, are not a lot of women in the industry. And obviously, we, we want more women just for obvious reasons, because it's just good to balance things out and not for any other reason, yeah. because women bring a different insight and, and other mm. things. There's universal field robotics, do you do any outreach to schools or, you know, have you been asked? And if you haven't been asked, this is now to all the schools out in Queensland, this is your opportunity to ask Kate to come and talk to your <laughs> students.
1: <laughs> yes, I'd love to come and talk to your school. Hit me yeah. up. Yeah, (laughs) there you have it. You have these
0: invitations now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we, Jeff, our founder, is, is really keen on trying to increase the number of women at Universal Field Robots and just you know in general in the industry so we've had some school groups come through like the latest one was from st margaret's for example and we show them around and you know talk to them a little bit about what robotics is like and here's all these different pathways and jobs we do so there's that aspect of it we're also trying to fund some of the the female-based uni groups, and honestly if you're listening please send us the paperwork back we're waiting for it yeah we'd love to fund you just just sign the paperwork for goodness sakes (laughs) sorry I'm getting worked up about it so we also try to have female interns come through on a more personal side I've actually signed up to be a mentor in a program called Curious Mind and this is aimed at connecting girls in grades 9 and 10 uh, with women in the STEM industry. So they can just learn more about it and be exposed to pathways and options that they didn't know about. So if you're listening, I would recommend signing up to that as a mentor or a mentee. I think the applications are closing tomorrow. So get on it, ladies. <laughs> they might have already been shut by the time this comes out. But not for next year. I think so, <laughs> but for next year. So um, a,
0: a reminder, either tag me in the comments and put all these things in their catch um uh-huh. because sometimes people actually don't go into the show notes so actually when this comes out put it in the comment section on linkedin yeah 100% and, will do yeah hopefully there's a parent
1: or, or schools out there reading yeah
0: in terms of you mentioned that you mentioned do you have a mentor
1: yeah I do her name's Marguerite and she's a railway signals engineer over in Perth actually she's pretty high up in bhp in their autonomous trains project so because it's I, i don't know i've been i struggled to find women in this industry to connect with and our sales guy dush was the one who put me in contact with her and it's been incredible having somebody to bounce ideas off to who's and sort of they've walked a path that I'm going down and being able to commiserate about things and give me advice, you know, just share some of the experiences they've had And you know, I'm like, how do I approach this thing? How do I navigate this bad perception of women in the industry? And they're like, yeah, do this. That's really unfortunate, you know, and they're able to help. So she's wonderful. And I'd really highly recommend finding a mentor if you don't have one, or reaching out to be a mentor. If there's somebody in your life who you think you can help, when we only get better by lifting each other up. And it's something I'm really passionate about.
0: It's the rising tide lifts all ships. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yes
0: um, you know there is such a thing as I think the informal mentoring we touched on mm. you know water cooler conversations but I think in essence we mentors to each other every single day because we watch each other we watch how people handle situations and again being in a in a workplace you would think I'm advocating for I'm not being paid for this please people saying you should go back to work I just think there's a lot of benefit than actually being mm. in an office and working with your co-workers and I I I I, I, I will, always said to my kids you know people are always watching you they may not be you know like first and foremost but they're watching your behavior and you know then we go on to crowd behaviors or people suddenly doing things that you go mm-hmm. well why did you do that and they go well because I was watching the people next door to me actually an example I'm in Sydney this week and I was crossing the road yesterday and I kept up looking up because the hotel where I'm staying they're doing renovations and I was watching these guys traverse up and down the building thinking wow hey is that a cool job B that's quite a dangerous job and mm. C like it was just fascinating to watch and I could see people you know I'm standing there looking up and then some other people started looking up you know so it's very subtle little cues that people go what's she looking at like what, yeah. what's up there you know and before <laughs> long you can have like 50 people stand up looking there it. it didn't happen but you know because <laughs> I wasn't there that long but that's what happened so mm,
1: yeah you know,
0: I mean, in terms of mentors, like you sound fortunate that Dush has put you in contact with someone. Mm. What would you say to someone out there not really knowing who they should contact? What would your strategy be around that?
1: I'd say, if you can, do a little bit of research about what you know, organisations or groups are active in your area, whether those are uni groups or industry groups. This will sort of depend on what you're looking for in a mentor whether it's about leadership whether it's about a specific career whether it's about you know just talking about some general personal life stuff and you want to get some advice but there's always always going to be people out there who are happy to give you their time and hopefully you can go out and connect with them you love
0: learning what is something that you're working on now
1: I do love learning. I don't know. It's so much fun. Like it's it's, it's a personal challenge and you get a lot of satisfaction about, you know, like, yeah, I can do that thing now. Um, but what I'm working on right now isn't actually technical or related to my work per se. I, I like doing things outside of work and just leaving work for work. There's, a, there's an incredible author called Brandon Sanderson. He, he's a fantasy sci-fi author and he has a series of lectures on how to write how to write stories that he did he's done he's run it a few times actually but i'm working my way through those lectures and then taking notes and learning because i would actually love to write a book one day um, i love being creative and you you can probably tell i'm a bit wordy (laughs) so being able to get those thoughts from here uh onto paper is, is a lot of fun You know what, Jordan
0: Peterson, who who I read a lot of his stuff and listened to his podcast, says that if the combination of being able to write down your thoughts and then being able to deliver them is a deadly combination, because if you write things down, it actually forces you to think Mm. because you're reading it back and going, actually, this sounds like waffle. I need to put more, I need to be more eloquent or um, explain myself better. And I I have actually found that um, in preparation for things, if I actually write it down, because I like to wing things as I call it, which is not always, (laughs) I I don't think I can wing things anymore. You know, there's (laughs) absolutely preparation that needs to be done. And- It does force you to be more particular in the words that you use and the language we use, and it's actually really important how you use language because, in a way, you're predicting your own future the way you talk Mm. about yourself. If you you want to get real down to nitty gritty, and you know, I've been chatting to quite a few people, just because of my seniority, Kate, I can say this to people: I sound like I'm like 150 years old, but I'm not. I'm more senior than a lot of people. And when people talk about themselves in disparaging ways, I go, oh, you should stop doing that. That's not good for you, eh? Secondly, it's not true. And it's a perception that you have of yourself that can actually create a perception with other people. So you have to be really mm. careful how you describe yourself, your goals and things that are important to you because we make judgments based on
1: how people talk about themselves. Yeah, yeah, we do. And it's sort of tricky in Australia. We don't want to be uh, that braggart, that tall poppy, but it's really important to not put yourself down. Yeah, have a bit of self belief and know, well, actually, I've achieved these things. And, you know, hats off to me for doing it.
0: You know, at your tender age, because you are, you know, what wisdom, you know, tall poppy syndrome is, and in all the interviews, and this will probably be 100, episode 127. I've spoken to people and Australians are so laid back about their achievements and it's precisely for this tall poppy Mm. syndrome reason that, you know, people are scared to get out there in case someone decides, listen, I need to knock you back a peg or two. What a bizarre thing to
1: think or do. Like people are going to knock you back anyway yeah people are always there's always going to be people out there who are advocating against you so you need to balance that out and advocate
0: for yourself that's it if you don't advocate for yourself who else is going to do it so you have to do it first and foremost yeah that's profound wisdom on this morning here I hope the audience is taking note and that they're listening to us on this (laughs) so I'm mindful that I've uh, taken time of you yesterday and today so any closing thoughts that you'd like to leave our audience with?
1: Ooh, that's a hard one. I didn't prep for this question. <laughs> I got it's, Nikki it's to send one. me the questions before, so I could like do, write my thoughts down and, and put myself together. <laughs> a little simple. Um, you can handle this. <laughs> I guess in general, I'd say robotics is an incredible industry and it's on the rise in Australia. There's so much more work that needs to be done to change people's perceptions, to change the way we structure our society, but we want you. We would love to have you, you know, if you're not sure about what you want to do, check out robotics. <laughs> there's there's so many, it, it's not just nerdy engineers writing code. We need the creatives. We need the business acumen. You know, we we need so many more people to get on board with robotics so yeah check us out (laughs) please do and good luck with all the endeavors in your future
0: okay fantastic I'm so happy that our paths crossed it um chief of army symposium a month ago in Perth I think everything happens for a reason and I think meeting you like it was it was really great I wish you so much success for your career I know you're going to be someone I'm going to be watching uh where can our audience reach you you
1: can reach me personally on LinkedIn or you can reach uh, the company, UFR, at universalfieldrobots.com.au. We're also on LinkedIn. We're on Instagram randomly and Facebook and YouTube. Yeah, we the website or LinkedIn. Fantastic. Kate, thank you so much for your time. It's really been
0: a pleasure speaking to you. Likewise, Nikki, thanks for having me. Great. And to our audience out there, I hope you've enjoyed this episode uh, as much as we clearly have. I hope you're well wherever you are in the world, and I look forward to your company again in the future.